And folks, welcome to another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown, focused on the offense with that man they call Al Borges. And Al said, what you got on here, Sam? What's going on? So, Yeah, what's going on, Sam? Listen, people are going to talk about my straps, right? They, uh, Devin always talk about me walking around with the backpack on, on one side and got people walking around. I'm walking around town. They're calling me two straps. Well, listen, today, I don't even care about people talking about me with the two straps. This is a neck massager, heat and pad kind of contraption. You see, it got the, it has the, you know, the the, the contraption and the, it, it spins around, Al. And, you know, this is what happens when I spend all that time with you. I start to get stressed out. So I'm a little stressed out right now and I need to get loosened up. I'm actually being serious right now because my, my neck is killing me. It seized up something bad on me. So I got to keep this on me the whole time that I talk to you today. When have you ever cared about what Devin said, A, and B, when did you become so soft? Man, I don't know if I slept wrong. Somebody probably think my wife beat the hell out of me. I'm like, what's going on? Why is my dad? That's that's very believable there, but I don't know, man. It's probably, you know what it probably is, Al? It probably is all this sign gate stuff. That uh, I'm dealing with that's stressing out, bringing my working my nerves, and so uh, now I I got a little bit of you know relief, and so this is gonna help me out for the rest of the day, as I got to deal with you, and then of course I get over the bands and we do the breakdown over there. So, Al, Michigan, they won forty-one to thirteen, and guess what? They didn't even have their sign stealer guy, Al. I know it. I don't know how that might be a little overrated, Sam, in terms of what happens on the field. I'm not saying it isn't a factor, but might be a little overrated. I don't know. I don't know. So, well, uh, the game. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about how in this contest we saw a plan against J.J. McCarthy that was unique. We hadn't seen any team play J.J. Not to that extreme, no. You're right. Not to that extreme. him this way, and it led to it being a pocket game. He was a game yeah. from the pocket for J.J. McCarthy. And in a contest where he said he was a little off or rusty or however you want to describe it, Brad Nestler said, you know, he's a little off. At the time, he, was only, he had only completed about 60% of his passes on an off or a rusty day. Yeah. He completes sixty-five percent of his passes, Al, for yeah. three hundred thirty-five yards. Yeah. That's outstanding for most quarterbacks. It's impressive that that's a rusty day for JJ McCarthy. Yeah, he was a little off, but he made up for it with nine explosive passes, Sam. Passes that uh, hit for over fifteen yards or more. So, you know, if you can hit nine explosive passes, we'll forgive. A few bad throws. Now, he was not – he'd been better. But in this game, because the fact they only rushed for 110 yards, and I want to talk a little bit about that too, he was being called on to do more, okay? He was being asked to throw, in this game, 37 passes. Has he thrown 37 passes in any game? I don't think so. You know, maybe maybe he did last against TCU. I don't remember. But uh, that's a lot of passes and nowhere near – what he's thrown to this point in a game anyway. Now, with 37 passes comes some things. Uh, Number one is 
And a lot, I heard the, the protection wasn't as good. He threw 37 passes and was not touched on 29 of them. Let me repeat that. He threw 37 passes and was not touched on 29 of them. That's pretty good pass protection. Now, he was sacked three times. He was sacked one time totally legitimately, I thought, uh, in the third quarter, I guess. One was on a Hail Mary at the end of the half, which was really insignificant. And there was another one that I'm is escaping me right now. But three sacks, 37 passes. I don't like the quarterback hit either, but that isn't bad. He got hit another three times after throwing the ball. And was uh, there was one roughing the passer call on him, which I don't think uh, the offensive line can control on that or whoever's protecting. I always I, – what I could say about protection, it involves more than the offensive line. So every time there's a sack, it isn't automatically on the offensive line. But uh, so in terms of pass protection, they did a pretty good job. Now, I didn't think they did as jo- good a job in a run game. Now, that's, I think, what we have to talk about as much as anything. Okay, we go back because there are some other things in passing game that are, are very, very relevant. But why did they only rush for 110 yards? We know they rushed for 110 yards. All we got to do is look at a stat. But we need to know why they didn't, okay? Like Illinois, where the coordinator was, where the head coach was a year ago, they run an odd 30 defense, okay, which they're very good at. Good at even in the, in the early stages of his tenure as a head coach. They do a pretty good job. They're not – Tell folks who are, who are not necessarily football inclined, when you say odd 30, what do you mean? Okay, I'm going to say, if you'll just be patient, I was going to go into that. Uh, odd 30 front is where they play a three-man line with two stand-up linebackers outside the three-man line. Now, the three-man line is basically plays very tight. They play with their defensive ends in either a head-up technique, which we call a, a four technique on the on the tackle or in a four eye where they'll play inside it the nose guard will generally play head up on the center or he'll shade one way or the other at the end of the day the defense is condensing the box and making you run the ball to the edges whether it be uh, off tackle or slightly wide off tackle or around the end okay it is in at the end of the day, it's very similar, not the same as, but very similar to old Buddy Ryan's double legal defense, the old bear defense. Very similar. And a lot of the, the, the gap control with it is the same. Well, all right, that's a lot of football stuff, man. What are you talking about? They're basically closing down all the inside gaps by their alignment and with their pressures, where they'll bring Two guys off the edge, I call it a shark blitz, where they're bringing a safety and an outside linebacker off the weak side or the strong side, depending on what they've called, okay, and returning or slanting the line away from them. And again, canceling gaps inside, making it as hard to run as you possibly can inside the tackles, okay? Uh, So this is it. You know, they're making you play in that box, with a bunch of people condensing that box by alignment or by blitz. Okay, so, boy, that was a lot of stuff. I don't it know what that It was a lot means. of stuff, Al. So, basically, yeah. they're making it hard for you to run inside. Yeah, that's it. But just to say that, I wouldn't just say, well, make it hard for you to believe. Well, well why do they do that? They, You need to know why, no matter how complicated it sounds. That's why. Okay, that's one of many reasons. All right. 
the the play du jour this week was what, Sam? Counter. Counter play. Michigan believed that they could they ran nine counter plays, counter play and counter play variations during the course of the game. And they were forced because of Purdue's alignments to single block all their down schemes, which means whenever a guy was blocking down, he never got double team help. He never got double team help because of the nature of the front. He never got double team help. So every counter basically left the weak inside linebacker unblocked. unblocked. And he's free a lot. Now, Michigan's thinking, probably rightfully so, was we're going to have Blake Corum or Donovan or whoever the hell the ball carrier is beat that guy, which he, in the past, has been pretty good at. It didn't happen in this game, and that really put a damper on it, okay? So uh, with a weak outside linebacker being free on the, and the shark blitz is coming, the, the uh, they did a nice job a couple times of spilling or making the counter go outside. Michigan did not adjust at times very well to that, and uh, that caused, I think they hit one successful counter and the rest were kind of average. Uh, they ran some split zones. Uh, same same stuff was happening. Shark blitzes, condensed uh, alignments, uh, things were, were tough. So all that said, one other component contributed to it, and they did not have one design quarterback run. There you go. Okay, now let's talk about that. That's the next thing that's got to be discussed. I hope I'm not just doing too much football here. The guys can't figure this out. But for you to separate defenders, a one way to separate defenders, is to force them to play your quarterback. That's spread offense. Okay, that's really where spread offense made its bones with zone reads and such. All that does, and we've already discussed this many times, is is – those outside guys, those inside guys can play all that stuff just the way I said, and you can read those outside guys. So if they close down the quarterback, pull the ball around, around the corner. Well, Michigan chose in this game not to do that, probably purposeful. That was purposeful. They felt they could beat Purdue, and they were correct, maybe sacrificing some rushing yardage, but not risking injury to their quarterback, who's got a lot of big games to play. So uh, it was just very, very curious that there were no plus one runs. There were no zone read runs. There were no counter read runs. There were no dual read runs. None of that was in the offense. And this was a team that had they been more formidable, I think those would have been in the offense. But they were conspicuous by their absence. All right, Sam, what did work? What did work? Well, and I'm talking run game wise, okay? Oh, yeah, they had this this sweep in a reverse work. Yeah, they had two fly sweeps. One fly sweep where they were blocking it just like a stretch play, and it was blocked to a degree pretty well. But there was a little confusion with the tackle and the lead back on the, uh, and they end up turning the guy loose that probably could have and should have been blocked. But it gained four yards. It wasn't awful, but it sure looked better. Uh, initially than it turned out being. And then they ran another pure fly sweep off a zone. They ran a fake to zone, hand a sweep off, fake to zone, ho- held the linebackers inside, and Samaj Morgan ran around the edge like he had a rocket up his butt, man. He was flying, all right? So uh, that hurt him. Again, outside run, outside run. 
They also ran a U-turn reverse, uh, I think in the first drive, if I'm not mistaken, which gained 14 yards, was very well executed, and that was into a shark blitz. They were bringing two guys off the edge, but they pinned it, got around the corner, and turned out to be a pretty good play. They tried one uh, toss crack that was, I believe, mistargeted. I think for some reason it was they weren't on the same page on that, the lost two yards. So that one wasn't too good. But the few plays that they did run outside, they ran successfully for the most part. They had a pretty good yield on. But they didn't run a lot of balls outside. But in that defense, it's more set up for outside running than it is for inside running. So all the, I gave you the long-winded answer to why they didn't run the ball very well. And I don't even know how many people got it all. I Play it again, and maybe you can get it the second time. If I see you, you ask me a question, I'll see if I can't do a better job. All right, so I'm going to try to do it for the lay people, for the lay folks out there. Right? I tried to do that, Sam, but I don't know any other way to explain no, it. No, you didn't. <laughs> you, But you, you've been educating the fans enough where I think most fans follow along. Right? But to put it in simpler terms, he came out and ran the Illinois defense. You remember oh, Illinois defense? Yeah, uh, came out and ran the Illinois defense. Michigan, as we've seen them uh, from the Illinois game, uh, you saw some some, some con- similar concepts to TCU into this year with ECU and UNLV. They were trying different ways to get outside. You remember they were running outside zone a lot early in the season. Came off of that. Uh, you know, maybe they felt like there was it, it was time that wasn't invested. Well, the economy, uh, the practice economy, if you will, mm-hmm. especially when they discovered that. All right. Our best outside. Our best way to get outside the run game is J.J. McCarthy. And so as we were talking about it after the game, why didn't they run? Well, hey, there were some times where they had some mistarget. They mistargeted a couple of plays inside because, you know, they were so good last year at targeting every play right. They were so good last year where the running back, that's his guy that he has to beat. They were beating that guy. Those things that we're comparing yes. this year to last year, yes. they don't do those things quite as well. No, you know, they, they have a few more missed targets. They, They're not winning as many battles against the eighth defender in the box. Right, They're not winning right. as many battles against the seventh defender in the box. And they're not running the quarterback a lot. Now, that would yield another 50, 60 yards of total uh, uh, rushing offense, I believe. See, people got to – but you got to put the quarterback in. That they do. If you take into – if you stipulate that, okay, these are things we don't do as well because people are comparing – what's wrong with Michigan's run game compared to last year? You just laid out, I think, very well in talking about the specifics of this game, the things that they don't do as well as last year. They have a few more missed targets. They they don't win the one-on-one battles from a running back perspective quite as often as they did last year. It leads to some of these plays that were that were big plays last year, three or four yards this year, right? But what answer did they find? And this is the crux of the matter for me when I got asked this question after the game. Said. Well, why isn't Michigan's uh, running game good? And I said, well, what, what's good? If you're comparing it to last year, no, it's not as good as last year. We can, Everyone can see that. But is it good enough to win a championship? And my answer is yes, when you use their full complement of weapons. J.J. Yes. McCarthy is a bigger part of the run menu this year. We've seen it. If Michigan wanted to run duo against this team, they could have if they put a read on it, but they decided we're not going to do that. That, to me, is the biggest tell. 
That's the biggest tell now. Right one duo play. It's the their number one run play. This is a, a defensive scheme that takes it out of the equation. Michigan discovered a way to put it back on the menu, and they chose not to run it. That that in and of itself tells you strategically they said we are not going to run J.J. McCarthy today. Right. Yeah, there were – and that's – you got to have compensating factors, right? If you're not – if you only rush for 110 yards, then – and you've decided you're not going to use the quarterback or, you, you know, for whatever reason, then there has to be a compensating factor that – supplies you with enough offense to win a game. And they have that. They have that. They threw the ball for uh, 335 yards, I believe. Yeah. 335 yards. Uh, They threw 37 passes. We already mentioned that. He did suffer through some misfires. He had eight, eight errant throws I had, which is way higher than he's ever had. But he did throw 37 passes. But you throw more passes, there's more margin for error. And there's going to be... Some bad throws, were some, but some were a little uncharacteristic. And I, I, I listen to other shows sometimes, and they give a lot of reasons. And the first thing everybody wants to say is, well, he got hit. He's not setting his feet. I didn't see him shine up. Like a couple times he was not in position to make some throws because he was moving his feet to avoid a rusher. But in terms of uh, backing down from following through and all that stuff with things that come with pass rush issues, I didn't see a lot of that. I, I think he, he, had, he had played a couple weeks. That could have had something to do with it. But um, he made the big plays to compensate for the errant throws. Again, there has to be a compensating factor, and he, he did that. He faced a team that ran 50 snaps of man-to-man defense, ran 17 snaps of zone and a couple sprinkle in uh, miscellaneous coverages, uh, combinations usually of both. He faced a team, Sam, that the bulk of the time, not all the time, put someone on him to scramble, what I call a spy. Now, what, what's that? That's a guy that makes himself available. He's not rushing the passer, and he's not really covering because he's not playing what we call a rat player because usually the available guy is playing is a rat guy. A rat guy is a guy that, steps, that drops into the short hole and helps on any crossing routes or option routes, and he's involved in the coverage. And after the fact, he's responsible for making sure the quarterback doesn't scramble. They didn't do that. I saw nobody ratting. I saw the guys, either one guy or two guys, playing J.J. to scramble. And if, depending on other people, to get the pass rush. So what did that mean? What did that mean, Sam? That meant uh, that it may be more difficult to use your, what I call J.J.'s Johns, his improv plays where he scrambles and takes off for a run or he scrambles and buys time for a pass, okay? Well, in this game, he proved that he doesn't have to scramble to be productive more than any game. We've mentioned that in the past, but... uh, he had 293 yards out of his 335 passing where we're all structural. He dropped back, took a hitch, and made a throw. Dropped back, planted his feet, made a throw. Dropped back, maybe hitched once, maybe hitched twice, made a throw. So he did not have to back out. He didn't have to front out. He didn't have to dash. He didn't have to spin. He didn't have to do any of that and still threw for 393 yards. He only had 14 net yards on improv plays. He had 35 gross yards and 14 net yards on improv plays where he had to move. So 
This was one of those games that he proved he could be a drop back passer, even though he may have missed a few throws. Okay. Is uh, like I said, his protection was much better than some people are making it out to be not perfect by any means, but much better. And he created explosive plays. He was hit six times. Uh, like I said, there were three sacks hit three other times. And there was a, a, a roughly the passer call on him too. He dropped back, Sam, Sam dropped back 35 times and only play passed four times. They were attacking man coverage. They were attacking man coverage. They were not, not worried about sucking up zone defenders and throwing layered routes in behind them. No, they were attacking man coverage with a multitude of crossing routes, deep crossing routes, over routes. They hit a bunch of them because Roman Wilson is magical at getting open. That's not been mentioned as much. Everybody talks about what he, he is very talented at getting separation and getting open. And the quarterback knows it. And he's going to look to him without even blinking an eye whenever push comes to shove. Okay. 35 drop back passes, four play action passes in one screen. That's was their approach. And it was an effective approach. Yeah, man. I look, uh, someone made a great, Oh, this is so good. I got to, I got to pull it up. If, by the way, if you have questions for Al, put them in the comments and we will get to them at the end of the show. Andrew Bailey said against Purdue, Michigan was content paying with ones and fives, saving the big bills for Penn State and Ohio State. 100% spot on. That is exactly right. That is the decision that they made with the run game, especially like, okay, well, no, 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 no. We aren't. We don't have to use J.J. McCarthy in the run game uh, to to win this game and to win it handily. Uh, we think we can still run the football, but even if we don't run it as well, it'll be good enough to win this game. Big, please believe J.J. McCarthy's on the menu running the football versus Penn State. That I don't even have to be in any meeting or talk to any coach to know. Meanwhile, Al Purdue made a decision. You mentioned the spy. I mean, well, they, they, you got to play. So it's like they said, we are not going to let J.J. McCarthy improv us to death. We're going to we're going to say we're going to spy him. We're going to try to confuse him on the back. We're going to play a lot of man. It's going to wind up being a lot of man. But we're going to try to confuse him with some disguise and maybe make him hold the football a little bit. And maybe our pass rush will get there. But, man, if, if he can read or, the defense. Yeah, or throw caution to the wind and just blitz it. That was the other thing. Because they did play some zero. They they would shark blitz, bring in, bring two guys off the edge. A couple times he had some internal pressure and played some zero and says, let's just see if we can get to him before you get rid of the ball. It wasn't terribly successful, to be honest. And we're, again, that's another one we're going to illustrate in the film session. But uh, uh, that was kind of that. We're going to spy him and maximum drop, which meant they only would rush three. They could spy two players. Rush four and spy him with one guy uh, or blitz him. And 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 spy him basically with nobody, but just get to him before he could get the ball off. They rushed five, I believe, six times on both outside guys. So those guys are standing on the ball, those two outside linebackers, and you're thinking they're rushing. They're not rushing every time. Okay, the, well, usually it's usually only one rushing, and the other one is covering in some manner or fashion. Yeah, it was, uh, it, and then of course you know you you look around and you see they finished the game and they they've won another game scoring 40 points all that all that and they score 40 points again without stealing a single without stealing a sign via advanced uh scouting maybe not even stealing the sign in the game because their sign stealer guy isn't even there 
So I, I, I'm con continue to be confounded by how much of an issue people are making of this. So Al, uh, before we get to your grades, your grades for the game, want to remind the folks that guy over your shoulder right there. This you know that, what's that guy? Yeah. Oh, that guy. That guy over your shoulder right there, Al Borges. His name is Tom Brady. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, Tom Brady's pretty good. And Tom has an exciting new app called Autograph. I told you all about it last week. And our partners at Autograph, the company that Tom Brady uh, found, is and they just announced the release of a game-changing new app that recognizes Michigan fans for their acts of fandom. Please believe. I mean, we need Michigan fans showing all kind of acts of fandom these days with, with everyone sniping and coming from Michigan, right? You know, wear your maize and blue, your block M proud, right? When it comes to the ways in which you exhibit that fandom, watching the Michigan, uh, you know, the Michigan football breakdown with Al Borges, watching the breakdown with Vance Bedford, watching the breakdowns with, with Devin Gardner, wouldn't you like all that to like right in the palm of your hand, one app. Well, Autograph offers that. And you know what? When you consume these things that are, are indicators of your, are indicative of your fandom, you get points. You accrue points. Events. Events that are tied to your fandom. You can go, you check in, you get points. You're able to redeem those points for rewards. This is a novel concept. You get rewarded for doing all the things that you do as a diehard Michigan fan. They read your favorite podcast, your stories from Michigan Insider and other great sites. All the things that you do right now, you can get rewarded for. And so, of course, we had the great pleasure of hearing from Tom Brady himself about the great opportunities that you have by uh, taking advantage of the app. So I want to let you hear from Tom himself talking all about the great things that you can have available to you with our friends from Autograph. So we're going to do that right now as I bring it up on the screen. And you can see, uh, or you can hear from Tom, I should say, talk about all the opportunities that are available to you via the Autograph app. Here is Tom Brady. I'm going to let Tom take it away. Maize and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. All right, folks. So here's the deal. Folks have been asking me. You heard Tom say head on over to the Apple. Hey, look, it's only available for iOS users. I know you're an iOS user, Al. You're an Apple guy. The Droid app is coming. Okay? They assure me that it will be available via Android in the not-too-distant future. And you, too, will be able to take advantage of the Autograph app. All right? So for folks who are listening, uh, you can also find it on their website. Uh, you know, you can, you can download it. Link 
dot ag dot fan slash sam webb again that's link dot ag dot fan slash sam webb and the code is sam webb no space and take advantage go ahead and download the autograph app and start getting rewarded for your fandom all sam, right sam, sam what would you call me or what you what you ios that's the the the, the what's the, it what's it what's it how come i didn't know i was an ios user because you have an you have an iPhone, Al. It's the opposite. That makes me an iOS leak. Okay. Yes. Are you kidding me? Well, I feel incredibly enlightened right now, Sam. I don't know. Because I, I was using something I didn't know. Oh, I my goodness. Uh, this guy can give a dissertation on the fighter points of football. You're talking to a lot of people who are watching you on the iOS, on, on, the, on the phone right now. They're watching yes. this on, good to know on I'm their a user. Yeah, It's good to know I'm a user. I, I didn't. All right, Al. So tell the people, give them your grade. And by the way, if you have questions for Al, put them in the comment section right now. Uh, we will get to them down the line right now. Al, give the folks your grades. Well, I did not, the offensive line, I gave a C. I didn't think they played as good as they could have played, but I do think they protected better than they gave people credit for. People gave them credit for, but that overall play, I had them like 26 minuses. I didn't. I just thought their game could – they're much better offensive line than that. I really believe that. But the nature of the scheme and a few opportunities – you know, we haven't said it about the coaches. They did – the defense for Purdue ran some tough stuff at, at Michigan at times, okay? So all, all the calls were not clear and sunny days for the offensive line. So in their defense, it wasn't always easy. But I, I do think they've played better. They've missed blocks that I haven't seen them miss all year. Tight ends, I gave a B. I don't. I thought they could have blocked better, but still, we're pretty much their steady Eddie receiving entity. I gave the uh, running backs a B. They had a couple minuses, but uh, nothing spectacular, but no glaring problems either. I gave the quarterback a B because he threw the ball for, and it was the compensating factor in the game. He did not have his best game, but he certainly didn't have his worst. And they, if, if he didn't play. And do the things he did. This is a close game, okay. But because of him, never mind the the bad throws or whatever. It was not a close game, so he needs to be credited with that. I gave the wide receivers had some drops, had some drops. Did not block too bad though. I gave them a B. So the A's. You mean last week you said I was getting too soft and gave too many A's. Well, Sam, this week I wasn't as soft. I, I was a little tougher on him, but. Overall performance for the offense was probably a, a B minus to a C plus. They could have played better. But uh, it was good enough, and it was what they had to do to win this game, not using every weapon at their disposal, if you know what I mean. All righty. So you got all the grades there. All right, time to get to the questions. If you have questions for Al, put them in the comments right now. Question for Al from Nala. How would we game plan against PSU defense? I know Manny Diaz likes to be aggressive and blitz uh, and blitz a lot. How would you game plan for our boys up front for protection? Going to be a big challenge for them. I, w- well, I would uh, just make sure all your, all your uh, protections where you're handling a six-man pressure Okay, uh, that you have enough blockers to do it. Okay, 
in other words, be sound with your scheme in terms of getting hats on hats, which they've done pretty much all year. That's I don't see that as a problem. And if you're going to release more players, just alert your quarterback. That ball's got to come out faster. Okay, I think that's big. And then occasionally, if indeed they decide they want to pressure consistently, have some max protection things in your offense, which they have, and they did last game for a, for a big play, uh, have that available to you as a sideline call or as a audible check because because JJ is very capable on pre-snap looks to see when people are blitzes, blitzing and get them into a protection that can handle all their pressures. So th- those things, I mean, handle, make sure all your six-man protection can handle their pressure. Make sure if you're releasing five, that the quarterback knows that ball's got to come out faster and have the ability to max protect with a call from the sideline or give J.J. the ability to call in tight ends and check it himself. I hope that answered the question. It did answer the question, Al. All right. Here's another one on Penn State. Kevin Keyes said, uh, Coach, I believe Penn State's pass defense is subpar at best. How can we take advantage of that with our passing game? Roman Wilson. Roman Roman Wilson has gotten better and better every they got to figure out a way to deal with him i'm just telling you now we got good receivers because i love Cornelius. I, cj's a good receiver and he is a but he compliments roman more where uh and 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 big games cj's come through and this is a big game so i think you he'll be a factor but use those tight ends the way you've been using them because they're unique they're guys that can not only block but can can make plays down the field with great spatial awareness, great hands. They, too, can separate even on smaller, quicker defenders. So I wouldn't change that too much. And then get Donovan Edwards involved more and more in the passing game like they did a week ago. They motioned him out of the backfield, drew linebacker coverage. He ran right by the guy, and I don't care. Penn State's guy isn't going to cover him any better than Purdue's guy is, okay? And they tried it again. They made a good throw. The defender made a good play. God bless you. Next snap. I think you got to do more and more of that is get Donovan in situations either on short balls where he can run a little uh, uh, Texas or knife routes or option routes or taking it down the field on, on lesser defenders. All right. And let's keep it going with the questions. Put them in the comment section if you have them for Al. Uh, here's one. This is actually for me. Would Michigan ever consider leaving the Big Ten? SEC ge- geographically is less travel for students. So I know what this question is about. This question is about the uh, the punishment that the Big Ten has said is possible, that it will possibly levy uh, upon Michigan uh, based on the sign-stealing allegations. Uh, they gave Michigan notice of that yesterday. Michigan has two days to, to reply. Um, if the Big Ten chooses to be totally unreasonable about this and violate or go outside of its own punishment procedure and policy uh, to exact punishment before an investigation is fully done, they will get sued. That is a certainty. Michigan will sue them. Uh, Talking to lawyers about it seems very likely they will get an injunction that that injunctive relief will allow Jim Harbaugh to keep coaching and then the, with the the uh, the impending lawsuit would allow, in theory, Michigan to depose. I mean, they will be able to compel discovery all the other Big Ten institutions, right? That's down the line. It, basically, what I'm laying out is a scenario where things get really, really messy, 
And after all of that, do I see a future where it will be possible that Michigan looks outside the Big Ten? I do. Because the, the days of it being, you know, the collegiality and the camaraderie, the the kinship, the connection that you feel in the conference, the brotherhood of the conference. If they go through with this, and it might already be dead. I mean, you got some institution, in my opinion, Ohio State hiring. It's my opinion that they hired an investigative firm to uh, to investigate Michigan. You got... They obviously were, were calling the opposition, TCU, to that documented. They call them to warn them about Michigan. Some teams, some program or programs turned over Michigan signs to, to, uh, to Purdue in a Big Ten championship game. Wonder who that was, right? It's already the case. It's already the case that the, the days of the brotherhood, in my opinion, are over. And if you're Michigan, if you're going to get treated like this, you should start thinking about a future where you start your own kind, not independent, but you start another conference. Why wouldn't you? The money in the Big Ten is based on Michigan and Ohio State, period. Everyone else is just along for the ride. All these deals are based on Ann Arbor and Columbus. So if Michigan wanted to find another partner, I would look at Notre Dame. And say, hey, because we're, we're everything that we're talking about, I'm talking about with that, is six, seven years down the line. Like the deal goes through, current deal goes through at 2029, 20, 2030, something like that. Start thinking about that now. Start laying the groundwork for that now. Start talking to USC. USC's new member of the Big Ten. They get a partial share. It's like, hey, you know, seven years from now, why don't you come with us? Why don't you come with Notre Dame in Michigan? Why don't you go talk to... Carolina, when it might make a lot more sense six, seven years from now to buy your way out of the grant of rights in the ACC. This is how Michigan needs to think. Cannot operate from a position of fear like, oh, you won't be able to replace the money that you get in the Big Ten. That's why they're treating you the way they treat you right now. Because they think, ah, Michigan will just take it. No, I don't think Michigan will just take it. First of all, in the here and now, they'll sue. And in the long term, I think there will be people people in in the leadership orbit who start to plant that seed that you know what maybe we should start thinking outside the box thinking different the well big that's what that's and that's what everybody else is doing anyway the big 10 is where it is right now largely because of us and ohio state we can do this again if you don't want to if you don't like us playing you know we're the key one of the the big pieces you got the king that's michigan you got the the queen that's ohio state you don't like the king moving around on your board? We'll go get another board. That's how I see it out. Yeah, well, the conference has become diluted to where it's almost unrecognizable and is about to be more so in another year. Okay. I'm not advocating that Michigan ever leave the Big Ten, but believe me, there is no territorial loyalty anymore. That's over, obviously. You got Stanford and Cal playing in the ACC. Come on. Are you kidding? Uh, people are doing things for their own purposes. There is no loyalty to where they are or the tradition of the conference. That's over. The money has trumped all that, okay? Mm-hmm. So for Michigan to do something like that is not beyond comprehension. Uh, the Big Ten is not the Big Ten anymore. It's the Big Ten. It's all, you know, you got teams from everywhere. It's, it's, it's Big Ten in name only. Yep. So people, uh, 
want to go, wanting to go outside the box, as you put it. And I'm not just talking about Michigan, but like you say, SC, something like that. Uh, teams like Stanford, Cal, we've got to go across the country now to play in a conference. Uh, everything's on the table. That's all over. Yeah. The territorial loyalty is no longer. Everything is on the table. Yeah, loyalty. There is no 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 loyalty anymore. They're they're business partners, and when your business partner screws you, go find another business partner. Well, particularly if you are capable of doing that, you know right. what I mean. If you have if you have the wherewithal to to make that happen, right? And you can still achieve all of your other very this this it, Michigan will never operate based solely upon football. That's why I say, look, you can be very strategic with your partners, the the people that you select. You can be more opportunistic, and you won't have to deal with the likes of a of a Rutgers. Why should you be in a conference with a Rutgers? You don't need Rutgers. You don't need Illinois. You don't need those schools. If they want to want to act like, or who who was it acting like, or Purdue, whoever it is that has something. No, no, not sorry, Purdue. I guess Purdue said something. I don't know if Illinois said anything, but okay, you don't need Michigan State. You don't need Rutgers. You don't need Michigan State. You don't need anyone who talks like Rutgers or Michigan State. You can, you'll do just fine without all the also-rans in the conference. And Ohio State, hey, let Ohio State anchor the future. If you're Michigan, like you try to poach USC, get with Notre Dame, grab North Carolina, put together a new conference. It's, and, and this is the kind of – to do something like that, you got to start thinking years in advance. None of these, none of these moves – are hatched these big moves are hatched overnight so if things go down like they're looking like they're going to go down with the big 10 trying to lay the hammer down then i think there's a there's a before that happens and there's the after and the after involves michigan i think thinking like okay maybe we need to start looking at doing something different. let's go back to the questions al borges and the next one from puma paul do you think a team will play pass first and run second against uh, against the Michigan offense? The Don was a good tackle away or an ankle tackle away from breaking one. I don't sweat the run game. It's there. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing about running the football is you don't have to run necessarily for imposing numbers. Remember we talked about this, Sam? Is uh, That's nice. I like it if you can. But – what you need with the run is respectability. You need people to know you can and will. Okay. Now, uh, in some games that'll represent more yards than others, but if it, if it means that because they want to over defend that phase of your offense, it allows you to do other things. You're still fine. People don't care how you gain your yards and score your points as long as you're gaining yards and scoring points, okay? So maintain respectability in the run game, and that will represent different numbers in different games, and then do what you do with the passing game because now they have to defend both, even if it isn't because the, the because the running game has huge numbers, which it did a year ago. It did, believe me, this year, Sam, they're not rushing the ball as well. But if you think these teams are coming in saying, oh, they're not running the ball well, let's go after a passing game, you're crazy. Every defensive coordinator says stop the run first. They even say that on bad running teams, which Michigan is not. So they've got to play that complementary game that allows them to not be one-dimensional. Absolutely. Uh, Let's keep on with the questions. Is Al Borges is on 
fire, and I know he already knows the answer to this because we looked at this play. Al, on the fourth and one, <laughs> what happened? From TV, it looked like uh, Darius Clemens lost his block on their big edge, who looks like a great player. What did you see, Al? Ford? I don't know, Sam. How detailed do you want me to get on this one? <laughs> it is a wedge play. It's not. It's not. They're not reinventing the wheel on this. Okay, what they ran is a wedge play. Let me make that clear: a wedge play. I've heard it called other things. It is not. It is a glorified quarterback sneak. Understand? Everybody steps to the inside and doesn't want to get turned. They want to stay as square as they possibly can, not allowing any leakage, because as soon as you get turned, that provides a crack, and a guy slips through, and there's penetration. The back is taking the ball right through the middle of the defense, and he may even jump to get over the top, but it's not rocket science. He is basically they're trying to punch a hole so they can gain six inches to a yard or whatever it takes. But it's usually not run unless it's that situation, fourth and one, fourth and inches, okay? On that play, on that play, they had moved Barnhart to tight end, and Barnhart got turned. He got turned. He's, his pad level was not good. He got turned inside. His man leaked. On the wing side, Clemens, zero, was in a staggered stance with his left foot too far back, and he stepped back with his left foot in the snap of the ball, which made his inside shoulder soft to penetration. The guy came inside him and met in a backfield. He met Mullins in a backfield with the guy that had leaked on the other side. So between the wing and the left tight end, both situations, they, there was, they, they did not keep themselves square and avoid penetration. Now, that's tougher for a receiver now. I want to be clear on that. That's tough for you. But be 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 sure of this. They've used receivers in that situation all year and have been successful. This has been one of their best short yardage plays. And earlier in the game, we're going to show this in the telestrations, they ran the play almost to perfection and gained four yards on a wedge play, which doesn't very often happen. It usually is designed to just get what it takes to keep the chains moving. But those were your problems. Mullins never really had a chance. It was not one guy. It was two guys, okay? Uh, I think if one of them would have blocked him, the play still would have been stopped because of the leak. So that's what happened. Was that too much, Sam? That was not too much. It was very, very detailed, Al. Very, very detailed. (laughs) All right. Let's keep on with the questions. Uh, It says... uh, P. Maximus says, Todd Blackledge was critical of J.J.'s footwork. Did you see anything about J.J.'s footwork that was worthy of criticism? There was a couple plays. There was a couple plays. Well, I think he got he got out of profile a couple times, just moving in the pocket a little bit, almost just kind of buying beats and never got himself back turned. Uh, he had a miscommunication with Loveland. I think he, Loveland was in the middle of the defense, a little, seven, little six, seven-yard route, and they miscommunicated. I think J.J. thought he was going to pull out and Loveland sat still, and he threw the ball, and he got he got a little too old. But there was a player too, but I, I graded him, and I didn't see you know there were he wasn't perfect. Okay, I always say that, but there were some issues you could make you could make a case of probably poor footwork uh, situations, but it wasn't blatant. It wasn't it wasn't anything like what I saw a year ago. I'll say that. All righty, let's get. Two more questions for Al Board. Just put them in the comments. Uh, Sam, where the hell is Darius Clemens? We just talked about. It. I mean, you know, we see him on the field. He was he was in on that wedge play. He's one of their bigger receivers. Uh, we've seen him. I think a, catch a couple passes this year. Uh, but you know, he's out there. He's out there. He's you know. He's out there. He's one of their guys. You know, he's one of their guys. He's just not. 
he's not in the starting lineup, but you'll see him. He comes in for various roles, you know, to do this or do that, whether it be a run or pass. Back to Penn State questions, Al. Uh, ben Crapple wants to know, uh, Al, looking ahead to Penn State, how do you feel about our matchups compared to their defense? Any specific spots that really stand out to you as massive pluses or minuses or advantages or disadvantages for us? Again, I, I'm going to mention Roman Wilson. I think he's, uh, from the perimeter perspective, he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, JJ really is the the real straw that stirs stirs a drink, but but uh, Roman, I like him against anybody who wants to cover him. Put a dude out there, and I know they got a couple good cover guys. Put a dude out there, he'll win. He's going to win. They're not going they're not going to lock him down. So he has to be used as he's been used, and and he he is good. I think uh, working the inside defenders with tight ends with Loveland and Barner. I think working the inside defenders, and they've done this, just really done a great job of this over the course of years, working them on verticals, corner routes, and option routes, shallow crosses. They are the lesser defenders for Penn State to me. Uh, the linebackers, some of them, not that they're bad players, but they're, they're, they're the lesser pass defenders. Using our tight ends in the inside of the defense on those types of routes, I think, are are, are really, really a good approach. And then Donovan, getting Donovan involved in a multitude of ways if possible. What Last week it was motioning him out of the backfield. He did that twice. Well, you may want to line him out in the slot or line him out at wide receiver or do whatever you want to do with him there. Again, working him on the shallows, working him on the option routes, working him on the knife routes, all those types of things. Having a little three or four play package where you can explore and exploit, explore what you have and exploit what they're doing with a guy that's uh, got wide receiver type skills, but is a running back. I think all that's, all that's good stuff. So um, I think the approach that they've used with just some creative nuance to uh, their pass game, I don't, I, I think Penn state's damn good. They'll, they'll be challenging, but I not, I would not lose any sleep on the matchups. Speaking of Penn state. So one of our great sponsors here on the Michigan football breakdown uh, focused on the defense uh, with Al Borges as our friends at Golden Limo. And so Golden Limo wants you to know there is a great opportunity for you. Those of you who are planning to go to the Penn State game, you might know, uh, you might have experienced. If you haven't gotten your hotel room, your accommodations already, you might be driving a couple of hours to find some place to stay. What if transportation was taken care of you you hop on uh, just like the you see the michigan football team roll roll around you hop on the uh the the family you know michigan football fan and family bus that golden limo has put together where you can uh, you know have all your travel accommodations taken care of and just hop on the bus. I'm going to put the link in the comment section for you to be able to take advantage of that bus. The friends at Golden Limo, I know there are a lot of folks here in town. I know some uh, some football parents are talking about hopping on the Golden Bus and heading on over as well. So, again, a great opportunity for you to, especially if you just want to get in there and get out and have your accommodations taken care of, your travel accommodations taken totally uh, and completely taken the, full care of you can ride on golden uh the website is goldenlimo.com i'm gonna put the link to the uh to the the family and 
and bus. I'm going to put it in the comment section and you'll be able to take advantage. Great, great opportunity. Luxury accommodations. Uh, I tell you before, told you before, you know, anytime we have to have our, 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 you know, whether it's executive transport to the airport, we, I know we took Golden up to Grand Traverse Resort before. Uh, certainly any of these long trips, Golden is the way to go. And they actually have a fan, a friend, family fan bus that is heading over. I think it leaves at, uh, it leaves at 3.30 in the morning out of Ann Arbor. And it pulls out after the game, bringing you all the way back. You don't even have to worry about it. Have a celebration on the way back from that victory that Michigan picks up uh, over in Happy Valley. Again, the website is goldenlimo.com. I'll put the direct link to the, uh, to the bus to the bus sign up in the comment section. Only 56 slots, and I don't think all 56 are left. Matter of fact, I know all 56 aren't left, so limited uh, space available. So if you want to get in on the bus, you need to act fast. That's from our friends at goldenlimo.com, all right? Sam, I, I could see you in the back of a limo smoking a cigar after a game, sipping on a martini with your feet kicked up, posturing, talking smack, doing what it is that you do. I can see that's an easy visual for me. <laughs> all right. I'm going to put the link to the Golden Fan Tours. But for folks who are listening, uh, you know, we will put a link in the comment section of the podcast. All right. So that way you'll be able to check it out uh, there. If you're listening to this and you want to uh, check out the, the Golden Bus that's going to Happy Valley, just check the comment section of the podcast. And click it there, and you'll be able to uh, uh, to hop on at least while space is still available. Because what I understand, space is going fast. Let's get back to the questions, though. And the next one comes from Adam Shepherdson, coach. Do you think our wide receivers and tight ends win one on ones versus Penn State's linebackers and secondary? I think Loveland has a huge game. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they will win. They won't win all of them now. They, they, I mean, this team's not not too shabby. They don't win them all. But they'll win enough that if the protection is as good as it's been for the most part, they're going to get some separation and they're going to create some plays. Cause, and, and when the protection isn't as good, the quarterback is going to buy time for them to get separation. So, yes, I, I think uh, – if you what would be one of those games where you look after? Oh, God, they really covered us good. No, they will on occasion, though. There will be times, but the cool thing about that, Sam, is they cover them, and a quarterback just buys a beat and takes off, or buys a beat, runs around, lets somebody get free, and makes a big play. So, the, the Michigan, their passing game is difficult to deal with because of the skill set of their wide receivers and the quarterback's ability to create plays and throw by structure. Thank you, 293 yards worth of structure this last week. Absolutely. Let's go right back to the questions. This one from Marcus Aurelius Maximus. He's back for you, Al. Says, Al. I love that name, man. I thought the rushing and passing game opened up uh, with having threats in motion. Is Michigan moving towards a spread offense again, or does it depend on opponents? Yeah, don't don't hold your breath till that happens. But the 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 again again another nice feature about Michigan's offense is their ability to be multiple in their sets. Okay, they are a heavy tight end team, and a heavy tight end team is never 
going to be a spread team. That's not going to happen. But they do have the ability to put in what we call 11 personnel where there's three wide receivers in the game. They don't use much 10 personnel with four wide receivers, which really is purely spread looks. But with those three wide receiver looks, they can still run their zone read game. They can still run their bluff read game. They can still do. They can still plus one run if with a quarterback if they choose to. So yes, they have within the structure of their offense the ability to implement some spread concepts, but never to be confused for a spread team. I don't see that <laughs> ever in their schematic at all. Yeah, they got they got two plays that stick out to me in the game where they got free off motion. Of course, Donovan. When they split him out and linebacker was late getting out there. I mean, even if the linebacker got it out there on time, he's getting beat. He can't stay with Donovan Everett. And then it was the one time where they they sent Tyler in motion, they brought him back. We're gonna illustrate that one. Yeah. 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 They did yes, that was huge. They very, very crafty the way they did it. They ran a multiple crossing route with running picks. They reverse motioned uh Morris, was it? Yeah, more and he came back and on third and I think it was six or seven, something like that hit them in a flat for a big gain. So, yeah, they, they have ways to shift and motion and do all that kind of stuff so that you, it's hard for the defense to get their their cleats in the ground and sit there and look at, oh, here's the formation, here it comes. They, they, they don't do much of that. Mm-hmm. All right, Al, here is another one about Penn State. DJ Hammond wants to know, who do you think is a bigger threat, Drew Aller or the running back, outstanding running back, Nick Singleton? I think Singleton's a good back. He is. Uh, but they are going to be, they're going to be, they're going to make or break their fate based on Drew Aller. Drew Aller's got to bring his A game to have a chance to beat Michigan. They are not going to beat Michigan with only Singleton. Now, he can do some stuff and he'll make some plays. I'm not saying, but if they want to score the amount of points they need to score, it's going to have to be with a balanced approach. And Aller is going to be the catalyst for that. Yeah, Hasib Sadat wants to know, gorgeous, gorgeous. Do you think JJ will even be in until uh, the fourth quarter? I mean, he doesn't. Oh play yeah, yeah, I think he will be in. Yes, I do. Don't. This one ain't going to be easy now, particularly there. I'm sure they got all kinds of pomp and circumstance ready. I don't. I haven't heard, but I'm, is it a whiteout? Probably. I don't even know why. It'll be something. I mean, they'll have more stuff in there. There. They'll, they'll, uh, you know, they'll drop a nittany lion from the sky or do something. I mean, it's going to be anything to, to amp up the, the fan base. So this one's going to be hard, uh, uh, harder than it was a year ago. Uh, and if it's not hard, <laughs> if they are playing the fourth quarter, Michigan is pretty good. Absolutely, pretty good. I mean, and uh, but I, I'm not going to say it's going to be necessarily come down the wire. But I think it's going to take good four quarters of football to win a game. All right, folks. Well, we will break it all down next week. We have the film study to do, so be on the lookout for that. I want to remind you uh, to, if you are, if you haven't gotten the autograph app yet and you have an iPhone, what are you waiting for? It gives you all of your Michigan fan experiences, palm of your hand. You're keeping track of all the updates on what's going on as far as SignGate and Michigan's response. The lawsuit that will absolutely, unquestionably come if they decide they want to try to bring the hammer down on Michigan. You know, part of me just is holding out hope that cooler heads prevail, that the the presidents, these other institutions come in and say, "All right, let's just relax, let's relax." Right? I mean, you got some coaches out there 
That's never seeing Boogeyman, Ira. I mean, I, Al, seeing Boogeyman. Uh, not only do they think Michigan is still the size, some of them think Michigan has their plays. Like, they, like, they have to play. But, like, come on, man. <laughs> it's just, it's, let's like, they're just really, really good. It's really good. They're not saying that if you found some evidence of wrongdoing, uh, you see the, the dude was on the sideline for the Central Michigan game. Okay, there's, there's punishment for those kinds of things. No one's arguing that. Right, but let's, the punishment has to be reasonable. It has right. to be. It has to fit the the offense. I like to say, Al, you don't send someone to murder for doing sixty five and a forty five. That's what they're yeah. trying to do. Try to give you life in prison for that. Stop it. Oh Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But if yeah. it does, if it does, it, it Big Ten will never be the same. We might already be to that point where the Big Ten will never be the same. We'll see. Yeah. All right, folks. Al, any parting shots? Uh, well, I think uh, yeah. I just want to fire a shot for the film study. We got a lot of this stuff we talked about. We're going to talk about in the film study and detail even more. And I want some water cooler champions out there. I don't want people going to the water cooler getting slam dunked by the dude who thinks he knows everything about football. That really pisses me off. So we need to arm you. We need to arm you. And and I just want to fire a shot for the for the uh, film study because I think. Uh, You'll be you have more ammunition than your opponent. He'll have no chance. So, <laughs> all right, folks, that'll do it for us this time. Oh, and by the way, that golden limo bus. I'm I'm told that spots are going. So if you want to ride to Happy Valley in and out, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't stay in Happy Valley even if a hotel room was available. <laughs> That's just me. I want to get in and out. And Golden Limo will take care of all of that for you. Uh, still some spots left on that fan bus. Uh, again, you can go to goldenlimo.com for more information. I've also tweeted it, uh, as or retweeted it anyway, on my Twitter account, at SamWeb77. And for those of you who are listening to this via podcast, you can check it, check for it in the, in the, uh, in the comments or in the uh, description. I have a link to the, uh, to the Golden Limo fan, friends and fan bus to the, uh, to the Penn State game. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll see you next week on the Michigan Football Breakdown focused on the offense with Al Borges. Go Blue!